Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. So good to have Pastor Jack Wheatley again with us for part two of Valuing History. And uh, for you that maybe didn't hear the first cast, you got to hear it. It's so loaded. So much great stuff in there. And we're going to have a part two now. And we're going to talk about history's heroes. And also, Pastor Jack, again, as we want to just say, he's a pastor, a greater grace pastor in Chicago. He's got a beautiful family, fervent man of God. We went to Bible school together, always has such a great content in the Bible. And, uh, you know, one thing, Pastor Jack, that really stood out to me was that Calvin Coolidge uh, speech where you referred to dropping the scepter in the grass. And, and I just been thinking about that among many other things, um, the George Orwell quote as well, but just, you know, remembering our history, not letting it being, not being canceled out and, or being an ignorant, uh, being ignorant of history, but being a student of history, because it really affects our today and ultimately our tomorrows. So, I'm going to let you I'm going to let you jump right into it sir so good to have you again go for it Amen I had such a great time uh last recording and it was uh what quite a subject how do we preserve history from an objective point of view and then now you say how do we value history and history's players and um language is such an important thing to really think about because language and how we speak is the very means by which we're communicating concepts. And um, so kind of a preface before we even get into the content today is uh, really it's borne out even in the utilization of the term, how do we value uh, those that have been in history, right? We said um, that George Orwell quote was like powerful, like, those who control the present control the past, and those who control the past control the future. If you're thinking, okay, if we're on a, we like to go hiking, right, Pastor Jason, we could tell a whole story about the last pastor's conference in October, and how does this bear out in actual practical uh, life? Hey, if all of a sudden we were lost in the woods, we'd be like, hey, where are we presently? Where, where, where have we gone? Because we don't want to go over that material all over again and go on a lost cause. And then that's why we would then propel ourselves accurately into the future. And so the problem that we have in our society today is that we're self-referencing ourselves, right? It's all about self-reference. This was even, yeah, if you missed last uh, podcast, you really got to go back to it because we talked about uh, King Gray of Boehm and how when he sought the young advisors, like he brought such division to the country because the young advisors were ignorant and arrogant enough to think that they were the cat's meow or the leopard spots, right? They thought they understood everything and they knew exactly what was going on, but they had the wrong mindset. The older people, more seasoned, understanding some great things, they uh, had the wisdom the young ones did not. And we, it's like amazing how prescient 
Orwell is in his 1984, right? He has this whole concept of doublethink that he speaks where people hold two contradictory beliefs simultaneously, they accept them both, and they just go in ignorance and arrogance and ruin the world, right? Or he says, um, has this whole language about newspeak that um, by changing definitions and actually losing words, that then people aren't able to think as deeply and really think objectively, or maybe you say value properly, what's, what's happening and what's going on. So um, referencing again, that, that dear brother, uh, pastor of the church uh, that loved dedicating a month out of every year to go over the founding fathers, right? He, he had a critical ineptitude uh, and it was that in the midst of this great dedication, even he propagates the materialistic notion of subjective moral truth in his definition of liberty, right? So he says to his congregation, he says, this is liberty. Think what you want, do what you want, say what you want. And the danger is he's actually uh, communicating at a fundamental level ideas that are antithetical to Christianity. Like that's powerful right there. Why? Because here, this is what the real definition of liberty is. The power of an agent to do or forbear any particular action according to the determination of thought of the mind by which either it is one is preferred to the other in accordance to law or fidelity to the truth. Right. So we're thinking, like, how do I live? How do I live accurately? How do I objectively evaluate not only history, but my current present situation? And we're saying, hey, we, we got to understand what we're talking about. Like, let me, we're all, especially in America, we're all up in arms. We don't want a tyranny. We don't want a despot. But how about this definition? absolute in power, independent of control from men, constitution or laws, arbitrary in the exercise of power. That's actually what the pastor was preaching to his people in his definition of liberty was in actuality, the actual opposite of what liberty was. And he was sublimating them in a sinful pattern of subjective moral truth. This is a crazy truth of, uh, of our problem here because we are in a place where people, are, it, it's not the pursuit of what is true, but what system will we erect to be the truth? And that's the problem that we have in this cancel culture. That's why they're canceling people or really not looking at what actually happened the receipts of history that's what we're if there's anything that we can give people today is go back to that which was written and that which is in a historical record because the challenge is we do not want the love of the truth to perish right because this is the problem it's not subjective all creation is under the sovereignty of god and this is even when Paul went uh, and spoke to the Greeks in Mars Hill, 
he said that um, God is not worshipped. He doesn't need worship with men's hands as though he needed anything. He gives life and breath and all things, right? So what we're saying is uh, we're not trying to, that's the danger of value, right? That, that, that definition is I decide how important it is. And what we're talking about is confirming what happened in a historical record so that I can now have a conviction about how I want to live today, right? So when you say those are like Latin things, right? Conviction, that's bringing together con and firma. Con is together. We're all together. And what do we want to do? We want to together find the valid, convincing, and well-founded thing. Firma is like the stable earth, right? So we don't want to have a value. We want to have a conviction. What's that? I am joining to Victus. I'm being joined to Victus, that which sustains life, right? So I think that was the power of what you were we, like, just hit you from Calvin Coolidge's 150th uh, anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, right? Because he was saying, uh, we uh, can't confuse technology with theology or science with scientism or superstition, right? Because everybody thinks, oh yeah, we're the cat's meow now, like, or the leopard spots. But the leopard didn't put the spots on himself. He didn't decide what color they were or how big they were. It was God that put it there. So um, we can't, the accumulation of knowledge about natural phenomena, which brings forth increased efficiencies and in physical movement or data storage and manipulation does not equate to an increased ethic of the human spirit or of an increased commitment to what is true. And that's what we need to find today. I mean, that's the essence of what Calvin Coolidge communicated when he said, we live in an age of science and of an abounding accumulation of material things. These did not create our declaration. Our declaration created them. The things of the spirit come first. Unless we cling to that, all our material prosperity, overwhelming though it may appear, will turn to a barren scepter in our grasp. And that's like astounding, right? And you're saying like, we're, we want to go back to these uh, people that went before us to learn what they learned and then have that be a springboard so we don't have to go over those things all over again. And I know we're kind of rounding out to about 30 seconds of those 10 minutes here, but <clears throat> this was the power of the founding fathers is they went through that pursuit. I mean, they understood Hebrews 11, that it starts off like uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it says the elders obtained a good report, right? They understood that there's this path or race that we're on. And then the writer goes from, starts right from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, and then he leaves it at the end, like open-ended. Like we need together, all of us to be on the same path and we're on the same race. And you should look to those that have gone before you and recognize that they're cheering you to move forward in truth with a conviction. And you have to confirm that conviction based on a pursuit of the truth.
Wow, Pastor Jack, uh, <laughs> that was so packed. I mean, we have we have to kind of take time and even unpack that. But let me just say this, uh, you know, as students of history, maybe, you know, some people that are listening are really not excited about history, but history is really inspiring. And if we don't learn from history, we kind of repeat history. Uh, who are some of your heroes or maybe just you know, highlight for a few moments, some heroes that we don't really hear about that were really key. And then also address to the listener, what are some ways that we can learn uh, from these heroes and it changes the way that we live today? Because I, I think ignorance and, um, you know, people, you know, busy lives, you know, we can kind of miss the, uh, the, the this treasure house of men and women that have uh, really sacrificed so much for what we have today? Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's, I think let's start elementally and fundamentally, right? I mean, if, if we really wanna find out who we are as a people, um, and you're saying as history for like America, you just start right at George Washington. I mean, someone could just, if we had an accurate um, script writer, you could have so many, um, spellbinding and magnificent films about his life right like what we haven't even learned the half of them calvin coolidge says of washington that he was the directing spirit with which we would have been there would have been no independence no union no constitution and no republic his ways were the ways of truth his influence grows in wisdom of action and purity of character he stands alone you know so it's it's amazing, like his first act, like we say this, it, it isn't complicated to like get in to find the truth. It's there. It's a it's a search away, whether you go uh, go duck, go Google, Bing, however you want to do it. If you just look at George Washington's inaugural address to the nation, like his full address, he says, like, it would be particularly improper to omit in this first official act, my fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe, who presides in the councils of nations and whose providential aids can supply every human defect. And he goes on, it, he, he ends, well, he's not ends, but maybe this sentence, no people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. That's his first inaugural address. You want to talk about uh, how many references to divinity and God there are? I mean, just in those uh that half of his sentence alone, there's like six or seven of them. And he's saying, without a doubt, there can be, if you looked at the empirically verifiable evidence, you want to get scientific, look at the historical record. And he is saying to all the world, no people group, no nation can be bound to acknowledge and endure God more than the people of the United States. Isn't that amazing? No, it is. It is because these guys walked with the Lord and they had a relationship with God. And so they realized the value or they confirmed. I love that contrast that you're bringing out here 
uh, of history. And, you know, you look at the Bible and, you know, again, you know, we're inspired by what we read because of the historical frame of reference, uh, the fulfillment of prophecy. We see Jesus Christ uh, moving and operating and fulfilling so much uh, based on uh, the Old Testament. And uh, and that's that's incredible right there. So uh, tell me some of your heroes, Pastor Jack. What are some heroes that inspire you? Well, I just can't get off George Washington. We're just talking about George Washington right here. I mean, we just That's said okay. one thing right That's there. Okay. You're, you're talking about, like, how about this? We talked about Lemuel Hayes, right? He was under the direct command of George Washington after the war when he went back and he was a pastor. This is how much he loved and adored, respected, and wanted to revere that which George Washington did. Every year on George Washington's birthday, he had a special message just about George Washington. You know, like it wasn't just that a bunch of European white men with the anachronistic idea of uh, xenophobia and uh, patriarchal uh, machismo rule like George Washington. We say Lemuel Hayes here, a great African-American that was the first to get an advanced degree, the first to be internationally published for his work about interracial benevolence, he had an annual uh, celebration of George Washington. Uh, what did an Indian say? An Indian chief, um, 20 years after the Battle of Monagalia, he had to, he saw and heard that George Washington was coming back into the area. And he, along with many of his uh, tribe, made sure that he went and saw George Washington in, uh, in 1770. And he, this is what the uh, chief says about when he was at the battle. He says, our rifles were leveled, rifles which but for him knew not how to miss was all in vain a power far mightier than we shielded him from harm he cannot die in battle i am old and shall soon be gathered to the great council of my fathers in the land of shades but ere i go there is something bids me speak in the voice of prophecy listen the great spirit protects that man and guides his destinies he will become the chief of nations and a people yet unborn will hail him as the founder of a mighty empire. That's what the chief said in roughly uh, 1770. Like they tried to, to fell him. It says when, when he wrote to his brother, he said, this is like the direct quote from George Washington in his letter to his brother, by the all powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation, for I had four bullet holes through my coat, two horses shot under me, yet escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions at every side of me. That's astounding. You're like, oh yeah, he just got lucky. This is what happened in the battle. 10 captains were killed, five wounded, 15 lieutenants killed, 22 wounded. The whole number of officers in the engagement was 86 of whom 26 were killed, 37 wounded. The killed and wounded of the privates amounted to 714 men. 
It was a bloodbath. They were surrounded. They were um, ambushed. Basically, every other officer was injured or killed. Washington told General Braddock, do not do that. It's going to be a turkey shoot. And that's where it actually was. And then here we see four bullet holes through his coat. There was a supernatural reason for him to live. And then he needed that confidence for the Revolutionary War. You know, it's so amazing to see the hand of God. I mean, the hand of providence, really. These men were anointed. They weren't perfect men, but God had really used them to uh, to really be the, the birth of a nation here. I mean, I mean, you know, we can stay on George Washington today. It looks like we need to do another podcast because I'm so fascinated. You know, it's like the history comes alive, you know, when we look at it from a biblical point of view. You know, I think of books like Peter Marshall, From Sea to Shining Sea. That's an excellent resource where we see God in our history. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, today with our revisionist time frame, our postmodern, our uh, pagan society where anything that has God in it wants to be excluded. And, and I think anytime when we bring in the Lord, uh, we can really see the hand of God. Even, even to date, um, we can see God is right interwoven in the fabric of our nation. Uh, you know, Pastor Jack, just thinking again about our history, you refer to self-referencing and new speech. You know, I've been looking at that book, 1984 by George Orwell, and it's, uh, you know, we are approaching speedily the precipice, or, or I should say the, the, the mountain range of hate speech. And, um, and, uh, you know, I just think the things that were said in our history may not be legal to say in our future. Uh, what do you say about that? It matters not what men may say. All men are liars. Let God be true. And um, one of my other favorite um, founding fathers was Patrick Henry. And uh, prior to Patrick Henry being uh, inducted or elected into the House of Burgesses for the state of Virginia during the colonial times, um, at, they were, the whole of the colonies was really almost, uh, you know, being subjected to this arbitrary rule of George III, who wasn't really bound by laws. Um, because of the empire being so strong, he kind of just did whatever he wanted to do, right? And so people were like, how do we come against these things? And here's uh, Patrick Henry. This is like, doesn't matter who you are or what's happened in the past, will you have conviction? Confirm that conviction in your heart and speak what the spirit of truth tells you to say. Because here is Patrick Henry. Um, if anybody would have seen him prior to becoming a lawyer, they're like, this guy, this cat has problems. Like he just married his wife because he failed trying to open a general store two or three times. His daddy bailed him out twice. Then he hooks up with his sugar mama so he can have a farm. He fails at farming and then he gets into law. So he's failed at least four or five times in life, like bankruptcy. But then he finds 
uh, what God has called him to in the law. And then when he was in the house of Burgesses and he heard uh, what was going on with the stamp acts, he, he stood and he said, like, at what time will we stand up? If not now, when? And he says, the enemy will only grow stronger if we continue not to act. So the thing is, act, act boldly, always have the receipts and ask questions of those that accuse you. We're always going to be accused. That's always happened. I mean, and here's the, the truth of the situation is that um, Theodore Roosevelt, another one of my heroes, he had this phrase, the foes of our own household. And um, let, let me read you such a, an outlandish um, and stupefying quote from Robert Ingersoll. It says, our fathers retired God from politics. The declaration announces sublime truth that all powers come from the people. This was a denial of the infamous dogma that God confers right upon one man to govern others. Our fathers founded the first secular government in the world. How stupid, how that's propaganda that is not true. Well, who is this guy, Robert Ingersoll? He was a lecturer in the 1880s and 90s. We thought that he was the foremost American infidel but he was born and reared in a devoutly Christian household. For a time, his father, Reverend John Ingersoll, substituted as a preacher for the American revivalist Charles G. Finney while he was in Europe. So you see, he's become, he dedicated himself. For some reason, he got hurt. And rather than having a love for the truth that he might be saved, he wanted to make uh, a deal with the devil and dance with him in the pale moonlight. And then now we have such crazy quotes that can be easily demonstrated to be wrong. I mean, you juxtapose that stupefying quote to that of John Quincy Adams, the uh, president, and he was a president. And then he was also the son of John Adams, a founding father on the 63rd anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. He says this, so this is what we're talking about. Rather than someone in the 1800s and 1890s, more than 100 years separated from the Declaration of Independence, he spouts some stupid thing about the Declaration announces the sublime truth that all power uh, comes from the people without its mooring in God. John Quincy Adams, contemporary to the writing of the Constitution, says, is it not that in the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior, that it forms a leading event in the progress of the gospel dispensation. It is not that the Declaration of Independence, is it not, excuse me, that the Declaration of Independence first organized the social compact on the foundation of the Redeemer's mission upon the earth. You can't get any more explicit specific uh, definition of how important the Declaration of Independence is to history, that those at contemporary to the Declaration of Independence being written said, it is the most important event next to the birth of Jesus Christ. And that between those two events, there's a clear 
chain of purpose and leading up to it, that this is the first time that man was able to, uh, to formulate and really do what God wanted us to do on this earth. I mean, that's, that's powerful. No, it is. It is. I mean, just listening to you. I mean, it's so clear. It's so intentional. You know, you bring you bring up Patrick Henry, uh, you know, famously said, of course, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, uh, I think, you know, I'm originally from New Hampshire. Our state motto live free or die. I mean, these men had convictions. And I love what you said. It's like when we speak the truth, there'll always be an adversary. Uh, that's clear in our Christian faith, but that doesn't mean we still don't speak the truth. We speak it in love. We speak it in clarity. We speak it with, uh, you know, in light of the capacity of the hearer. But the point is we, we, we don't want to forget our roots. We just want to keep pointing people back to, uh, to God, to the, to the work of God. And I, and I just, as we close here, Pastor Jack, you know, we, don't we, we don't want to let go of that scepter you know it's like a king has a scepter and it's like an action of of authority it's an it's a, a, a actually it's a, a representation of authority and when he like with um with esther the king uh you know showed his scepter and it was a scepter of favor and if we let go of the truth of of the bible and we start self-referencing we start um revising we start apologizing that's a big thing uh we start redefining you know uh you know i can just think of these these forefathers spinning in their graves so uh hey you know any any uh anything you want to say to the listener i mean you definitely have a handle on this but you know let's say what could you encourage the listener with what you said today Like what has happened in the past, there's a wellspring of truth and people are waking up to the truth. I mean, people that have been even um, on the side, like I heard an interview uh, of Naomi Wolf and she's a, an American liberal feminist author, journalist and formal po former political advisor to Al Gore and Bill Clinton. She's uh, written... Uh, a number of books, and she's even come to the understanding that uh, in this last year, government power was aggregated and extended by the use of emergency powers, and these dictators just kept on with these emergency powers saying, you, you know, because of corona, we need emergency total powers. They're establishing a totalitarian state, and she was like, she awakened, and she understood that we can't give up our rights. We can't give up our rights to speech, property, assembly, worship. I mean, this was the power of what uh, the declaration actually said. They're inalienable rights. Like they are not able to be transferred from me to the government and not from me to anybody else. If I was to try to do that, I would be abdicating my life, my spirit, my power, and I would just be a servant with chains. And so this is a great time period. Like uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, uh, Patrick Henry, which I believe is for every generation, he said that far and above 
um, the, the grandest thing was that uh, Providence put him in history where he was born so that Providence could do its most favorite work. It's a terrible paraphrase. But the thing is, when we realize, like you said, Esther, right? Like for such a time as this, you were placed where you are to do what you have been called to do. Even uh, G.K. Chesterton said, like, it's the, the life and commitment and faithfulness of the simple man, which changes history. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, you know, I, I got to tell you, Pastor Jack, the, the podcast we did prior to this, I, I listened to it twice just because it's so loaded. I just really encourage our listeners uh, to listen to this, share this cast. We're going to do one more, Pastor Jack, if you're okay with that next time. I, I mean, I love this. I, I hope you're loving it too. Are you loving it? I'm loving it. It's, it's a great time. I mean, we need to speak. We need to assemble all the more as the day approaches. And I, I'm certain that uh, that is why it's the First Amendment, that we have the right to peaceably assemble. That is, the, we would not have a constitution. Who knows if we have a United States of America? That's the, the whole reason why we have a constitution is because the government said we will never step on these 10 essential rights. And so we have a great promise and we're going to keep going. We're going to keep running and we can believe there's this is not the first period in America where evil men have tried to do evil deeds. We can stand up and we can have a revival in America. And all it takes is returning to truth, encouraging one another in the truth and then living the truth. Amen. And I love what you said. You gave that example that people will turn and they will embrace the truth and it'll, it'll change their heart. It'll rehabilitate the heart. They'll change their mind, change their speech. And today we have a language of love, but we're not ignorant. And uh, we, we have our receipts. I love that the historical receipts. So, Hey, Pastor Jack, thanks so much for today. And uh, God bless you. God bless you. We'll talk soon. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.